say hello to two or three people around you, give them a high five, a hug, a handshake this morning. That was very quick. I was hoping I'd get a drink in while you were doing that, but cheers. As Dave said, my name's Nathan and uh, with my wife Debbie, we're campus pastors uh, in Chesterfield and um, as has been said, we want to give you a huge welcome to church this morning. It's so great to be together, whether that's your first time or your 151st time, we want to give you a huge welcome, but also we do want to welcome you if this is your first time at Icon Church. So come on church, let's welcome in Chesterfield and in Derby as well. And uh, so good to be uh, with our Derby campus there in Derby today. Unfortunately, Andy and Kirsty are not very well. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, the Derby campus right now are having the time of their lives. And uh, it's absolute chaos. In, no, it isn't. And uh, team in Derby, you're incredible. And uh, all, everyone who serves Icon Church, just incredible. We're so thankful for each and every single person who serves Icon Church. And we're so sa- thankful that we're a church together and we're able to do this together because... Um, we uh, took uh, the offering for Ukraine and uh, to support the church there in Kashalin. And uh, we mentioned uh, last Sunday morning, I think it, the total was £3,454 in the morning. And that's a great memory, that is, by the way. And um, But uh, Sunday night, we mentioned that it, it got to £5,000. But now it's over £5,000, which is amazing. So come on. Let's thank Jesus that we get to play our part. And uh, I'm really excited to bring the word today and uh, really believe in that this word is for each and every one of us. Wherever we find ourselves, if we'll open our hearts, uh, that God will speak to each and every one of us. And um, we did a series um, uh, called Conviction in the Chaos. And I said I'd come back to it and I'm coming back to it. Uh, so, uh, Darby, this is like your first part. You don't have to have listened to the other three parts to get this. Uh, we're just basically taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount and, and grabbing some parts of it and uh, seeing what Jesus says to each and every one of us. And in the midst of chaos, uh, we need conviction because our, our strap line is this. If we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. That if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. And uh, I'm going to pick up the verses where Jesus talks about prayer. And so Matthew 6 from verse 5, it says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The title uh, today of, of this is We Pray. And it jumps off the back of last week and um, uh, the two great weeks in our vision series that our lead pastor Paul is going to pick up in uh, weeks coming up. And so uh, you want to know when? Just turn up and you'll find out if it's that week. And, um, but we pray. And uh, like Jesus' desire is to be with us. Three of us believe that this morning. I know in Derby, they all believe it. Jesus' desire is to be with us. And so we, we have this foundation as a church of following Jesus. We heard about it, those five foundation things. And one of those is we pray. And our strap line for that was by forming life-giving patterns to spend time with Jesus. And so here in, in these verses, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching those people that are listening to him in the Sermon on the Mount. Here's how you are to pray to God because Jesus's desire is to be with us. Let's look at a few other verses. The start of the church, Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. These are summary verses of the church. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, the people have found Jesus. They found Jesus. There's this moment where Peter stands up. He proclaims the message of Jesus. These people respond. And then what do they do? The response of people is they devoted themselves to certain things. So if we found Jesus, there are things that we devote ourselves to. That's our response. This word devoted means to persist steadfastly. Persist steadfastly. Um, let me tell you a, a story. Um, the moment I met Debbie was on the Lincolnshire showground. I know a few of you, I know it's like the perfect environment to meet your spouse. Actually, this year it's Newark showground for anyone who's single. We're all going to awaken, especially if we're single. Because who knows what can happen. And uh, that should be the new promo, shouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, for awaken, I don't know. I'm, I'm just giving you those ideas. In Derby, they're saying amen. I can hear it. The single people in the back, they're saying amen there. Um, but uh, Lincolnshire Showground, it was great, Vine, as it was called back then, serving on a team for the 12 to 14 age range. And in that group, you got uh, paired up with a prayer partner of um, the opposite gender. And so there we go. There we are. We're waiting to see. And as you, you know, a single young man, you are waiting to see who you get paired with. And I knew the leaders of the venue and I knew what they tried to do. They tried to matchmake. See, it's naughty, isn't it? It's naughty. Anyway, so they say, Nathan, this person is your prayer partner. 
and the, the leader next, oh, she's not here. And anyway, they went round and, um, and uh, Debbie walks in late. I know you can't believe it. If you're new to Icon Church, let me just say, our wedding, 45 minutes, I was stood there waiting. And uh, it's good to have Pat Wilkins in the, in the building because Pat made me more nervous. Because she went, Nathan, just sit down and relax. And I was talking to everyone. I sat down and relaxed and then started to worry, where is she? So anyway, um, but so Debbie walks in late and in my mind, I say, she can be my prayer partner. And, uh, and so Debbie walks in, Debbie, get to Debbie, Debbie, this is your prep. Oh, he's not here. Oh, you'll have to go with Nathan. Let me just say that uh, I devoted myself to winning Debbie over on those five days on that Lincolnshire showground. I persisted steadfastly and um, got to the end of the event and... Um, I thought, I've done well here. I've devoted myself. I've chucked away all of my plans and I have followed Debbie's plans. All my plans went out of the window. I've committed myself to doing what she wants to do. I even drove her to her house to pick some stuff up uh, over the event. And at the end of the event, a few people are swapping numbers. Debbie takes my number and says, I'll message you. Well, I thought it was over. Now, I didn't know in the background Debbie was having a conversation with her friends. How long should she leave it before she messages me? And um, they told her longer than she waited. So, um, and we're here today. We're married. But it's this devotion, this persisting steadfastly. At that event, everything went out of the window. And I was like, I'm doing whatever Debbie wants to do. And here in Acts, we see the church, the church were committed, devoted, persisting steadfastly in certain things. And one of those things was prayer, was prayer. And in the midst of the chaos, we will be devoted to what we love. In the midst of the chaos, we'll be devoted to what we love. That will be our conviction in the chaos. We will be devoted to what we love. And maybe today we have to shift what we love. Maybe we have to begin to shift what we love. Devotion is the expressed behavior of what we love. There's a great theologian, his name is Augustine, he's from North Africa and uh, he said this, he said sin is ultimately a lack of love either for God or for your neighbor. The essence of sin is disordered love. We, in the midst of chaos, we will be devoted to what we love. And the essence of sin is disordered love. So maybe today it's a shift of what we love. Maybe today it's actually that we've got love in the wrong order. And today I'm wanting Jesus to reorder the disordered loves in my life. That Jesus begins to reorder those disordered loves in my life. No one can do that for me. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I don't know, but I, like 
growing up in church, being around church and, and, and seeing conversations. There are many conversations that people have around, I want to change something. I want to do something. But many times people fail because they don't allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. They're expecting somebody else to do the work for them, but it's the Holy Spirit that will begin to reorder our loves. Jesus came to reorder the loves of the people around him. He does this as we spend time with him. He does this as we spend time with him. If I, if I was being honest, I'd love to be better at prayer. Anyone with me? Yeah, thanks for your hands and support. Thanks, we can be real. Like, if I was honest, I'd love to be better at prayer. And I know the hardest part of prayer is starting. It's the hardest part, it's starting. But I think the problem with prayer is we have an end goal. We like, I'll get to this certain point. I'll get to this moment. And we lose sight of what prayer actually is. If we go back to our strap line, we pray by forming life, giving patterns to spend time with Jesus. Prayer ultimately is this, that we spend time with Jesus. That we would spend time with Jesus. I wish I was better at it. But by committing to it, I'm further along than I was before. By committing to it, I'm further along. And just because you aren't where you want to be, don't quit. Just because you aren't where you, you want to be in this. Because I, I don't know, but anything in life, when you have a goal for something or you have an aim for something, you know when you get there? You have a new goal or a new aim. And it's like, I never actually get there, which is great because there's progression, but all the time we're thinking I'm going to an end goal. Whereas actually, no, I'm, I'm spending time with Jesus. And as this develops, I get to know him more. I get to understand him more. He begins to reorder my life more. We get to do this. And so I, I think this is why Jesus was instructing his, the people to pray. Because it was basically, I desire to be with you. Jesus modeled this, um, you know, he would get up early, go to a mountain and spend time with his father. He would spend time with God, the father. And he teaches us to pray. Why? Because in the chaos, we need to have a conviction of prayer. In the chaos, we need to have a conviction of prayer. That in those moments of chaos, we will be devoted to what we love. Maybe it's a reordering. And we need to have this conviction of prayer, conviction that we pray. So the first thing to recognize today is we pray to spend time with Jesus. We pray to spend time with Jesus. Ephesians 1 and verse 17 uh, says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm spending time with Jesus, it's not always to know him better. It's to try and give him all of my requests. If we're being honest, that can be it. But actually, we pray to spend time with Jesus. Even in prayer, we can focus on the wrong things. We can focus on our language we can focus on what I say and how I say it. And we, we can begin to focus on those things. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about, 
You know, if I go out for a meal or if I go out uh, for a drink with friends, I am not thinking about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. I'm just in the moment. I'm just spending time with those people. I think sometimes we come into prayer in those moments and we're thinking about maybe too much of a, a, an order. Sometimes there's good, there's good to have an order, but sometimes it's like there's too much of an order. There's too much about my language. There's too much about what I'm going to say rather than I'm just coming to spend time with Jesus. I just want to spend time with Jesus. Not focusing on the words, not focusing on what I'm going to say. Uh, in those verses that we read earlier, in uh, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I think that's an encouragement for us. God knows what we need before we ask Him. It's a massive encouragement for us because sometimes I don't have the words to say. But by being in his presence, by spending time with him, I'm not focusing. Words can be the medium, but actually I want Jesus. I want to know Jesus. As Paul was writing to the Ephesians, I pray that you would know him better. I want to know Jesus. I want to know his grace more than ever before. I want to know his mercy more than ever before. I want to know his love, his forgiveness, his compassion, the way he thinks more. We pray to spend time with Jesus, to focus on Jesus. As I begin to pray, I get to spend time with Jesus. If you look at those verses, Acts 2, they devoted themselves to prayer. And one of the prayers that they would devote themselves to, we find actually in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. And um, it says this, I'm just going to read a couple of verses that they would have picked up, but hear this. Um, yeah, you'll get that in a minute, hear this. Because in verse 4 it starts, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. See, this, this prayer, I hope I do this word justice, is the Shema prayer. And it means to hear. To hear. That's why it starts, hear, not hear. Hear, O Israel. Hear, Derby. It's to hear. Simply to hear God. Simply to hear Jesus. What is he saying? They were reminded every time they pray this prayer, every time they would get this prayer to hear Jesus, to listen to Jesus. Now, I've got an eight-year-old son who does not listen. Anyone, any parents out there? Maybe not an eight, yeah. I see that hand. I see those hands in Derby. We'll have a session of prayer afterwards. Um, we've recently um, purchased a new car and if you didn't get the mini joke from last week, we got a mini. And uh, Paul talked about him praying over a mini because they need prayer. And it was a family joke because we just bought a mini. Um, but we're in the car. I'm on the way to drop in Zion at school, who is our eight-year-old. I'm on the way to drop in at school. And he says, Daddy, this is one of the first cars ever made. <laughs> and I went, I went, son... It's not. Yes, it is, Daddy. Yes, it is. It's one of the first cars ever made. I know it. 
like Zion, there have been millions of cars that have been made before this one. Not metal ones like this. No, not metal ones like this. This is the first car that's been like ever made. Zion. And I am in that I'm like, Zion, just listen to me. This is not... Well, how many cars have been made then, Dad? Well, I don't know off the top of my head, son. I'm not like Wikipedia for car manufacturing. And he just would not listen. It, his gramps took him to play football the other day for his team and gets in the car and his gramp said to him, you played well, Zion, but you spent too much time on the floor. He likes slide tackling. We'll just say that. And uh, I've got to tell you, he did score a free kick in the top corner yesterday as well. So he did well. Um, little, like, dad brag there. And, um, but he gets in the car and Grant says to him, you spent too much time on the floor, Zion. He went, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I only was on the floor when I was tripped up or I was tackling someone. And Graham's like, yeah, but that meant you spent too much time on the floor. And you're like, no, I only went on the floor. And he just would not listen. Like, we have to say to him all the time, you're doing bad listening. But does our prayer life look like that? We're constantly talking. We're constantly saying, yeah, but God, yeah, yeah, but God, yeah, but, yeah, but this, yeah, yeah, but God, yeah, yeah, God, this, that. And God's like, hey, I got something I want to say to you. Are you listening? Like, will you listen? Will you just spend time with Jesus? Maybe it's time to hear Jesus. Maybe we take those verses in Deuteronomy, which are the prayer, and we don't say, hear, O Israel. We say, hear, Icon Church. Hear that God is here. God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to you there in Derby. Get to know him. So we pray to spend time with Jesus. Second thing is we pray to be changed by Jesus. We pray to be changed by Jesus. I've changed. Being in Debbie's presence, I have changed. It's not just Jesus' presence that changes us sometimes. We know this. Hey, there's another message in that. Other people's presence can... Anyway, we'll not get off on to that. But Monday night... I've got the football on TV. Debbie comes in and I changed what we were watching. Not because she asked, but because I'm an amazing husband. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, We pray because we pray to be changed by Jesus. Debbie's presence in that moment caused me to change. And I will say Debbie had been at work all day and I knew Arsenal were playing on Wednesday night, so I knew I couldn't... <laughs> two nights in the week, it'd be a struggle. Yeah, playing the long game. There's a tip for you who are going to get married. But Debbie's presence causes us to change. Some people have just been nudged here in Chesterfield. I don't know if it's happening in Derby, but yeah. I love those verses in Acts where it tells us that they shared everything. Those summary verses that we read, Acts 2, 42 to 47, they shared everything. 
That happened because they were changed by Jesus. That happened in the presence of community. That happened because in those moments they were being changed by Jesus. Uh, When Jesus teaches us to pray, in verse 13, it tells us, uh, uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That actually we get changed by Jesus. He, he's actually saying, hey, as you begin to pray, Jesus is saying, hey, one of the prayers is that we would be changed, that these things tempt us, and these things many times would be the very things that make us stumble or fall. But he's saying, no, you can be changed, that those temptations might still be there, but I'm not going to act on them anymore because I'm spending time with Jesus and I'm praying because something's going to change. I was talking to someone recently who had, uh, who's had, uh, did have COVID and they lost uh, their smell. Like it's a lot of people's stories. They lost their smell. They lost their senses. And so what came with that was less cravings. And so their diet ended up changing. Cravings are an indicator of our souls. So our spiritual habits begin to change when we spend time with Jesus. Our habits begin to change. David would put it like this, that my soul craves God. My soul craves for God. You see, we see an incredible moment in prayer in Acts 4 um, that we haven't got time to get into, but actually they pray. And it says at the end of their prayer, they went and were bold because something changed in Jesus' presence. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where I've had moments where I've prayed and all of a sudden I've had a boldness or a courage or a confidence. Even in the midst of being nervous, even in the midst of fear, I've had a, no, I can do this, that God will see me through this because we pray to be changed by Jesus. Uh, like maybe even for you, you try it tomorrow. You're going into work. You're going into a difficult situation. Maybe it's starting with prayer. <laughs> In the car, on the way, I'm going to pray and believe that actually I'm going to have a boldness and a courage to walk into all that God has got for me. We pray to be changed by Jesus. And the third thing is this, we pray to see Jesus change the world. I wonder if we would pray more if we could see what actually happens in the spiritual as we pray. Like, you know, there's those verses that tell us that our our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, spiritual warfare. We hear hear about all of that. But I wonder if we would pray more if we actually saw what our prayers did in the spiritual and I, I, I think this is one of the reasons why we find, sometimes find prayer so hard is because it's so valuable. It's so valuable. It's powerful. It has power. Matthew 6 and verse 10, Jesus teaching us to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There, there, are, there are things in this world who don't want God's kingdom to come. And God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so that's why our prayers become powerful. You know, there's the harrowing story of child Q this week. Like, like, you know, like, what can I do? I can pray. I can pray for the family. I pray peace for the family. I want to pray for that child, that those scars and that hurt would be removed. I'd love to be able to, but I think we neglect because sometimes we just say, oh, it's just a prayer. No, it's not just a prayer. It's powerful. And it can change a world. And I'm believing in that in, in that girl's life, it can turn something around. But I also believe in that actually our systems and in this world, that injustice can be turned around. And there are many times where it feels like I'm powerless, but I'm not powerless because I have the power of prayer. And I have the power of his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth. And it's deciding I'm going to connect myself to the source. I'm going to connect myself to Jesus. I don't know, but sometimes I can feel like this plug in this massive long wire. Why did I pick up the one with the longest wire in the world? This is a Guinness World Record attempt right here on stage. But like, this has no power in it. But when plugged in, it has power. It charges my phone. It can do other, you know, like it, you can take out this USB, put another one in. You can charge something else. But it doesn't work if it's not plugged into the source. And I think today for our lives, it's decided, no, I'm going to plug myself into the source, the source that is Jesus I'm going to plug myself into what Jesus has got by deciding I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe. Because there's, if there's no power to that, it's kind of pointless. But when there's power, it takes on a whole different form. Acts 12, verses 1 to 6. I want to finish with this story because I think it's amazing. It's a story of Peter and Miraculous escape from prison, it's entitled, but I want you to read it because I think it should be titled Peter's escape from prison and the church praying. Because it says this, about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended, like this is one man, four squads of four soldiers, because they know the power. Power wasn't Peter, they know the power. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, so Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly, earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. Like, let's just stop there. He's in prison, four squads of four soldiers, and Peter is sleeping. 
Some of us have restless nights and we haven't got four squads of four soldiers and we're not in that moment. And yet in this moment, Peter's sleeping. I want to suggest to us today that Peter is able to sleep because the church was earnestly praying for him. Because there was a peace, as Jane said in our service here in Chesterfield, a peace that transcends all understanding. There was this moment of peace that he could sleep in the midst of the chaos. In the midst of the chaos, the church was praying. I don't know, but I think the atmosphere in our lives changes when we pray. The atmosphere of this church, this service, there in Derby, our connect group, our home, wherever it is, we live in the atmosphere of our prayers. We live in the atmosphere of our prayers. It goes on, verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. I ain't got time to read it all. Let's skip to verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without even opening the door. <laughs> Peter stood at the door like, this is mad. And exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Can you imagine the response? Did you not let him in? But here's what they said, you're out of your mind. Hold on, you, they've been praying, but you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. You're out of your mind. I don't know, but I want to see some you're out of your mind press. <laughs> I want to see some you're out of your mind press. I don't know, but sometimes it's a, a moment of faith where it goes, you know what, I'm going to pray for this. And even this could blow my mind. <laughs> even this could be you're out of your mind. I want to see some answers to our prayers that could cause some your out of your mind responses. And God is a suddenly God. I, saw, I heard a quote recently and um, the team are going to get up at this point. Uh, this gives you a little bit of hope that I'm finishing. But I heard this quote, I can't remember who it was from, but it says this, God takes a long time to do something suddenly. Just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean God isn't working. Well, I, I, I always say this, God is doing more in the background than I can see in the foreground. Like I got loads of notes for this message because there's these verses where Jesus talks on prayer and he talks about a judge and a, a widow coming for justice and she keeps coming. I want justice. I want justice. I want justice. In the, in the Greek, I heard someone say in the Greek, it was like um, the, the force that the woman came with, with her words, that in the Greek, it was like she'd like blackened his eye. She didn't physically blacken his eye, but it was that level of force. And this is Jesus talking about prayer. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Something's changing. God's working. Keep knocking. Keep asking. The future lives in our prayers. 
The future of our kids lives in our prayers. The future of our grandchildren lives in our prayers. The future of our church, our connect groups, our friends, it all lives in our prayers. We pray to see Jesus change the world. So I just want to give you two simple ways to start today. Maybe you've never started to pray. Maybe you don't know where to start. I want to give you two ways to start. First this, commit to it. We heard it last week. Just pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Just start there. Just do it. Just start there. Just get it and just read it every day. A second of this, commit to environments where prayer is happening. Join a team. Get to those prayer with those teams. Your connect group. Wherever it is, commit to an environment where prayer is happening. See, Jesus' desire is to be with us. We pray not to focus on how, but on who. Jesus. Building those rhythms in our lives to spend time with Jesus. And it's the Jesus who desires to be with us.